Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHKs I've known, and four movies up for review this week. I've got Armageddon Time, My Policeman, Causeway, and Decision to Leave. First up is a film called Armageddon Time. It's from director-writer James Gray, who most recently did Ad Astra, and... I did not enjoy this movie for several reasons. I think the first of which is just not having any additional context for the movie and the things I'm going to go into. I was pretty bored by it, and I am someone who definitely has a tolerance for things that are more experimental with plot structure or things that are more free-flowing. I don't have a problem with that if you have compelling characters, if there's if there's anything interesting going on. And this film has pockets of, I would say, uh, decent to interesting, but not enough to salvage the whole thing. It's two hours, but it felt much longer to me. I strangely am going to give a shout out to the kid actors. I thought those parts of the story were the most uh, compelling and, and interesting to me. Also, uh, I should caveat, it is a semi-autobiographical journey about James Gray's upbringing in New York as a, a Jewish kid. And, and you know, uh, part of it centers around his or his character, based on his character's, you know, relationship with a, a young black boy. You know, so that's a whole movie in and of itself that has its own major issues. So that's one of the things I'll delve into. But honestly, those were maybe some of the better parts. And then there's a a whole relationship with uh, the boy and his grandpa that I actually thought was another decent part of the movie. And then there's the relationship between the boy and his parents. And I should say that his parents are played by Anne Hathaway and Jeremy Strong. And his grandfather is played by Anthony Hopkins. So you have these powerhouse actors in it. And yet... uh, So... I also need to take a look at this from a cultural lens where I myself am at least culturally Jewish. Um, A whole important part of this whole story is his Jewish upbringing and, and, uh, you know, otherness as a byproduct of it, which is such a relevant thing right now. I know he couldn't have predicted that with the release date, but there could not be a more timely conversation revolving around this. And yet none of your main actors, and I will exempt, I didn't mention it, but Tova Feldshoe is in it, but you have these three powerhouse actors And yet none of them are Jewish. And the whole point is about that experience. And it's not to say that you can't have, you know, it's, it's, Judaism is an identity, not necessarily a race. We're not talking about Israelis. But by the same token, are you really telling me that we didn't have some amazing Jewish actors in Hollywood and like this is your whole background and you couldn't bring that level of it to it? I I just, I, I also didn't feel like any of the parents' roles or or Anthony Hopkins's grandparents' roles, none of it was like, ah, Anne Hathaway is the only actress who could have played this for me. I understand why they've made this compromise, which is a really frustrating experience as an audience goer. And I didn't realize it till after, but I kept scratching my head during it. I was like, I don't think... I, you know, they're also putting on the accent. It's it's a bit of a New York accent, but it's also heavily influenced by Yiddish. And other, you know, it starts to be like, is are we making fun of... I, you wander into dangerous territory there, and it took me personally out of it. I gonna guess a lot of people are gonna overlook that, which is kind of disappointing because I I wish you know we applied levels of authenticity or at least people had equal opportunities in terms of performances. But putting that part of it aside, then you've also got an additional few layers for me. One, there's just a bunch of casual racism in this that doesn't really get addressed, and I'm like, who? You know, a lot of the storyline is about being on the the right side of things and standing up for uh, the underdogs, even when it's not appropriate or, or whatever it is. You know, I obviously there's some Holocaust ties there, but 
it, it, you know, then at the same time, you're throwing in casual racism towards different groups. And in this case, you know, Asian groups, which is the other half of my heritage, which it's just a few one off lines, but it completely undermines the whole premise of it where it's like cool you know basically be nice to black people but we don't care about other groups like that's I, oh god I wish it just wasn't so divided into columns like that but those things were all major detractors and that and then on top of it that some of the plots center around that, that the plot itself is messy you know I think there are a lot of things we could have cut out and could have been streamlined or added in about other pockets of it that would have been more interesting but I think in trying to balance the fact that you've got Anne Hathaway and Jeremy Strong you know I I, I feel like they were sort of trying to over index on their performances even though the meat and the like joy of the story not even joy like hot you know happy joy but just the the interesting parts of the story lay elsewhere there's also tumultuous parts in the parental relationships that are you know not easy to watch but I think could have been done really well but because everything else was just so mushy I don't uh, it's very hard to articulate some of the reasons why I was just unsettled and bored and frustrated by this film but I think bored is the ultimate thing and that's like the best thing I can say about it the worst thing I can say about it was kind of offended by parts of it you know I don't think anybody else is going to cause an uproar over it which is sometimes disappointing but uh you know in good conscience cannot recommend Armageddon time I'm gonna give it a two out of five I'm gonna take a quick break and be right back and I'm back and then we're gonna go on a roller coaster ride this week so stick with me please I promise you it will get better but the next film I have is called My Policeman and oh man okay so when I watched Don't Worry Darling, I was like, there are parts of Harry Styles' performance, because Harry Styles stars in this, in which I went, you know what, he's not the worst. They're asking him to do some capital A acting in Don't Worry Darling that just didn't work, but there are parts of his performance that were, you know, not offensive, I'll say. So maybe it was just the wrong role for him. And then watching My Policeman, where sometimes he's asked to do capital A acting and once again does not deliver I, I I'm just like you know what we we should stick to what we know and that is music and I guess music videos are a form of acting but it's a different form of acting so my policeman is following three people and we see two different age brackets of them Harry Styles plays the young version of this character there Emma Corrin plays the young version of a woman and there's another man involved uh, played by David Dawson as they're young and then when they are older it's Linus Roach as Harry Styles um, Gina McKee who I have missed on screen She's wonderful. I forgot about her, which is sad, but she's wonderful in this uh, as the older version of the woman and Rupert Everett as the older version of uh, David Dawson's character. I, I, you're never going to remember any of that. But either way, two sets of cast, right? Uh, and at first, I was very confused as to who mapped to whom in the young cast. Obviously, the woman, there's only one woman. And so I was like, cool, I know who is you. But for whatever reason, could not realize, could not peg that the two men were, I, for whatever reason, I thought Rupert Everett was supposed to be older Harry Styles. I was like, oh, okay. You know, and not that there's, anything wrong with Rupert Everett now but I was like oh something something has happened to this character and we will understand a lot of these things and nope nope I was wrong on that front so it is the story of their relationship I I hope this isn't a major spoiler because it's in all of the marketing but basically Harry Styles is I don't know either bisexual or straight up gay and and yet it, it you know the, the first part of the film takes place in the 1950s and so that was obviously not an easy thing to be out about you know the other character uh, well I'm just gonna call him by their character's name um, Patrick is the other character who's more uh, educated refined etc Harry Styles is Tom is a policeman and then the female character is named Marion she's a teacher and so it's about the the sort of love triangle between the three of them and 
uh, we have seen the stories before, right, where the biggest impediment to these characters is, you know, homophobia and laws existing around homophobia and all these things. But by the same token, it, yes, it absolutely, it's horrible that, you know, character people had to be in the closet, the horrible treatment. Um, You see, you know, some of the results of said horrible treatment and the, the really terrible ramifications of it. By the same token, I will say that the characters themselves are not the most sympathetic in terms of how they choose to engage in their behaviors. And I do normally like a morally ambiguous story when there's depth to the characters, but I felt this was about as deep... Uh, no, this was the most one-dimensional thing I've seen in a long time. It's, uh, it, the most rudimentary form of a love triangle, and I don't know if there was a way to salvage this and uh, the motivations of the word. And then, then you've also got this sort of very gimmicky feeling, you know, over-sexualizing of some of the sequences. And if I have to see another bad Harry Styles sex scene this year, I will, I, I cannot do it. I can't, I don't, I never want to see one again. There are so many punctuated into this. And then that's, you know, on top of having seen Don't Worry Darling, I just... It's, you know, I think people are, it's stunt casting, right? And so um, you've got these scenes and this actor who aren't living up to the uh, expectations of what the script may have had as a potential. And then you're expecting audiences to be like, oh my God, it's so great because they already like Harry Styles or whatever it might be. It, it, I think it's detractive from all the other elements that go into this. And so many other things do go into making a film. So it's, it's gimmicky, right? It's gimmicky. The characters are one-dimensional. Yes, there is an inherent struggle to... Uh, and, and, you know, you have sympathy for them because of this. But also when they're behaving like jerks, I'm like, well, some of this you deserve. A lot of it you don't. You don't deserve the societal part of it. But some of it's you being like a not particularly thoughtful person. Again, I, I don't want to under. Ugh, it's so complicated, right? Because, you know, if they had if their gay relationships had been allowed. Yeah, this some of these things wouldn't have happened. But I just wish this particular story, not people in general, this particular story had given us more about them as people aside from their horniness from each other. And like you get like one character bit here and there for each of them. But I don't actually I don't even think the female Mary in the character like gets a lot of that. Hers is just likes the boy. So uh, yeah, I don't want to be flippant and I don't want to be dismissive of you know, the actual experience of this, but this doesn't feel like the most compelling way they could have conveyed the just absolute, you know, direness of not being able to express yourself um, as, you know, your full identity. So, and again, I couldn't get over the Harry Styles acting. I wanted to, I went in with a clean slate. I was like, cool, maybe he'll be fine in this. And then the, the film just, again, gave into the sort of pandering and, and gimmick of we have Harry Styles in this. So I'm only going to give it one out of five. The next film I have is called Causeway and it's out on Apple TV Plus. And this is definitely another capital A acting film. And I wish that I could give parts of this film a rating and then other parts just like cut them out. So it's got Jennifer Lawrence and she plays a vet who has returned from Afghanistan. Um, she's experienced a major trauma. And so dealing with that, uh, she goes back to her hometown in New Orleans and, and is sort of navigating civilian life but also recovering from a major injury and all these things and then you know runs into Brian Tyree Henry who uh you know comes into her life and and their relationship and then her relationship with her mom you know it's it's definitely an Oscar bait film but the execution of it there's just a few things in it that prevent it from being in that echelon and it's the story not necessarily the performances it's a very reserved performance from Jennifer Lawrence and I actually really liked that from her you know I I think the last thing I saw her in was uh, don't look up which you know again I think it, I I always know 
slash new. She is a fantastic act. I remember seeing Winter's Bone in theaters and being like, what is happening? Who is this human being? So I've never doubted that. But I think some of the roles she's taken, you know, the scripts or the whatever the story has gotten in the way of her getting into that, you know, again, capital A acting moments that are and this is a less flashy movie, which is great. Right. But by the same token, the story itself does things that I was like, this is mm." like there were there were other ways to and I, I don't want to spoil them, but there were other ways to accomplish this and have these characters intertwine each other in their lives and, and you know, deal with their traumas, because I think the theme of this movie is trauma, essentially, that did not have to be as, it's not pandering, but it feels pedestrian, like the algorithm wrote it or something like that. I'm like, if you'd just done one more pass of it, that there was a way to do this that doesn't undermine like the inherent way you've set these characters up. But, you know, either way, I think it's a, it's a quiet, it's an understated film. It's it's very contained, which is also semi-refreshing. I like that we essentially live in their worlds. But again, because of where the plot goes and, you know, it does this, it establishes these characters. We don't have to learn too much about them to understand who they are. And then it's like BT dubs, I'm going to pull the rug out and counteract all the things I've established so far. And then, you know, we'll see where the end goes. So I really, oh, I really wish it hadn't done that because up until that point, I was like, yeah, this is a really good movie. And then when I saw it starting to telegraph, I was like, no, please don't do it. There's a world in which we get, and then they did it. So because of that, you know, I don't think sadly it's going to hit that wider uh you know awards tier that it's looking for but I do think that as a performance study it's fine you know and if you're feeling in the mood for some semi-bleak material this will scratch that itch again they play so well off each other that I really wish that you know it had done that service for them but uh you know overall I still think it's watchable I'm gonna give it a three out of five and then my last film this week, I told you we were going on a roller coaster. Thank you for sticking with if you stuck with to this point. It is Decision to Leave and it is by Park Chan-wook and I loved this movie. And I feel, I worry about saying that because I know that uh, it was already semi getting overhyped for me and so I don't want to do that to anyone else. But, you know, just to bring this all the whole theme together if you want quiet performances if you want you know semi-meandering but also structured plot with like contemplative things if you want beautiful beautiful cinematography you know this is your movie it also has complicated romances so all the things that were missing or detractive from the other movies this week you can find in Decision to Leave it's a mystery. It's a romance. You know, it centers around a police detective and, a, you know, a woman who comes into his life. It's got a little bit of like Sherlock vibe sometimes, um, you know, pick your iteration of Sherlock, but uh, a little bit Benedict Cumberbatch, a little bit in terms of like the visuals of, of problem solving. You know, again, the, the visuals themselves, so gorgeous. The cinematography is amazing. The music is good. I like a movie in which it telegraphs just the right amount of info for you, especially when it's a crime thriller. You know, I I think there's like beautiful longing in this. There's also moral ambiguity, which is always fun. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to talk too much about the plot itself, but I do think that this is a great example of a movie that, you know, has all of these elements and can do it well. And please get over the barrier of subtitles. Like, it's so worth watching. Um, I believe it's out on Mubi for folks right now, but uh, Decision to Leave... Park Chan-wook. It's a 4.3 out of 5 for me. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.